You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 154, covering Battle Lines and The Storyteller, with Kimberly Lajeunesse. Hello, friends. Kim is here to review some things with us, as she is once a season. It's been a while, hasn't it, Kim? Yes. It has. Like, you must have gotten an early season seven Next Gen one, and you didn't get a movie. So, uh, good, uh, good to have you back. Where'd you go? It's yeah. good to be back. It's like, hey, where's where's the lady voices? There's only my wife, and that doesn't count. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You're a token, you know. That's that's pretty much why you're here, is affirmative yep. action. Excellent. Just uh, in case you were wondering. <laughs> I was worried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I'm the affirmative action guy. You are. Yep. <laughs> I'm the to you're totally the token. Yep. That's me. But, I'm a token. Yep. We don't care anything about your your jokes or your insights or anything like that at all. Nah. <laughs> Just wanna make it look like we're not huge sexists. This is turning really sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting also, to feel bad. I also don't know how long I can carry that lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes, haha, this is a funny joke. No, it's ah. not even funny. Hi, friends. Hi. So we got yep. some episodes. We did. We're still in that week. mid-season slump, I would say. Oh, my God. Kim, you asked to pick these at random, and uh, it was a mistake. I regret my decision. We won't be doing that again. <laughs> You've already done your research and chosen your season two episodes, so this doesn't happen again. I did it immediately after I watched these episodes and went, yeah. "Ugh." I just picture you going to Google and going, "DS Nine best episodes season two. Yep. <laughs> or then, if it's me, DS, Google, what is DS Nine season two's best episodes, please? That's right. You choose. You 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 choose to use Google like uh, Ask Jeeves. Yeah, like a dude. I'm asking questions of. Right. <laughs> Dear Google, could you please tell me? <laughs> How are you? I am fine. <laughs> Got to put that Lo- in there. Love, Matt. X X O X O X O. P.S. How's your sex life? <laughs> Speaking of guys that look like Tommy Wiseau, Matt, why don't oh, you God. tell us about battle lines? All right. So DS9 is receiving a visit from Kai Opaka, the Pope of Bajor, and she's hoping for a tour of the wormhole. Cisco and Kira are happy to oblige, and Julian tags along because they made the mistake of offering to take her in front of him. Poor Julian. Loneliest man on the station. So they head off through the wormhole, and it only takes about ten seconds before they crash the runabout, killing the Kai. Whoops. Bajor's gonna be pissed. The crew gets picked up by... Oh, God, it's Molody Rebels. Great. Well, now the Gamma Quadrant has everything. Turns out these Molody Rebels, led by Breaking Bad's Mike, are at war with another band of Molody Rebels over whose mullets are the most rebelly. While Bashir is fixing people up, Kaiopaka wanders back into camp, apparently brought back to life by nanites. Man, those little bastards can fix anything. Mike tells Cisco that the rebels have been cursed by nanites so that they won't die, but then go to war forever. Cisco, being the good salt that he is, promises them all a trip to the Alpha Quadrant if they'll just stop fighting for ten minutes and behave. Unfortunately, the rule of the Gamma Quadrant has one decent guy living in it still holds up, and these rebels aren't stopping for anything. Meanwhile, Bashir discovers that anyone killed on the planet can never leave or else they'll die. So, uh... Bad news, Kaiopaka. Hope you had 
the sudden urge to stay here and help the rebels learn about peace? Oh, you did? Oh, well, that's really handy. Cool. Well, looks like Chief O'Brien's here to save us, so we're just gonna head out. But, but you're cool, right? Right? Awesome. Okay, well, enjoy living forever in a war zone, and, uh, you have fun with that. I gotta, I gotta call you out on one decent guy in the Gamma Quadrant. I don't think we've met a decent guy yet, have we? What about Tosk? Oh, yeah, there was Tosk, I suppose. Yep, Tosk. <laughs> but he's he's running away. He could be running away into the Alpha Quadrant. Like he's well, he's not... not there anymore, but he was there. Well, okay. So that's one guy out of, like, 50 that we've met from the Gamma <coughs> Quadrant so far. Yeah. Not very good odds. Not so much. No, why do we keep visiting there? Yeah, why, do, why is this wormhole a big deal when we're just... <laughs> Opening up to a whole quadrant full of jerks. Yeah, welcome to Jerk Quadrant. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, but does, doesn't presence come out? There's got to be, like, one Santa back there. I well, don't no, think those... we've gotten a single Santa present yet. They've, I mean, you know, there's the secret Santa. That'll be later. But then, you know, who knows? You'll probably draw a jerk for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you get a pair of socks. Sucks. Yeah. Damn, Gamma Quadrant. Yeah. <sighs> So, Kim, I know you haven't uh, been uh, keeping up, like, and that's okay, because we're not really in the serialized part of the show yet, so uh, it's not like you have to know what happened last week to know what's going on. You know who everybody is, right? Oh, yeah. It so, feels uh, like we're not in the serialized part of it yet, too. Yeah, it we're, does. We're not. No. Once once we get to a certain point, I, I'm going to need you to uh, to keep up so you know what happened last week and next week and stuff like that, but for now... I'm just going to marathon it for the entirety of December. Oh, that's man. spirit. Yeah, I wish I could do that. <laughs> We're not allowed. Amanda, in particular, has been really enjoying the fact that we get to watch this now. And, like, you know, because she could go watch it in another room, I suppose. But beyond that, it's like, can we can we watch it now? Not until I finish this episode of two. Then we can do the next two. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the, the minute I turn off the microphone, she's going to be like, okay, we can watch it now, right? <laughs> she's just that excited. No, I watched it with uh, Mal when she was down here last week, and she's just like... These, this is really good. <laughs> yep. Why did we have to watch shitty episodes? <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to do them all. I have to well... watch shitty episodes because uh, I didn't do my homework and <laughs> I had someone <laughs> pick an episode at random. And I basically just picked the first slot. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'll show her. <laughs> oh, really? Because that's no, what it I... felt like. No, because I don't know any of these by title at all. <laughs> no. It's, it's a real problem for me. Uh, but uh, all that said, you, I'm sure you found a good thing, right? <laughs> it took me a while. I was like, I was thinking about it as a whole and then trying to think of specifics. And like, it took me, it took me a long time to actually figure out what, what could I could possibly say about this episode that was good. And uh, I found one. I liked it when Kira was upset because Akai called her out on being a violent beast inside. And then she was like, oh, crap. You're right. Like, it was a good character development thing. Yeah. And that was actually, my, my good thing as a whole was the, I liked the stuff with, um, with Kai, with the Kai and uh, Kira. I did like, not you, like the Kai. Really? In particular. Yeah. Well, I think it has to do with the fact that she seems like a person that I would not enjoy hanging out with. Because, you know mm. how they, they, when they were going to, um take her to the wormhole she just showed up on the ship randomly in some like storage room and somebody found her and she's just wandering <laughs> around like a lost puppy and she just like wanders over to the viewport where the wormhole is and they're like 
oh, it's interesting that you picked this viewport because that's where the wormhole is. She's like, oh, is it? And they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> would you like to go for a ride? Oh, could I? That would be no, good. It's, that. it's uh, it's uh, well, we'd take you through the wormhole, but there's no ships leaving today. It's like, oh, oh there aren't. Yeah. See, I liked that. I liked because all she did was give Cisco a look at that point. Like, yeah. oh, there's no ships. Huh? And then like there's a beat and he says, um, apparently there is one. Come oh, on, let's uh, go. we could make one if you yes. want. I didn't oh, take it no, as... Oh, no, I don't want to be trouble. I didn't yeah. interpret it as passive-aggressively as you apparently did. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought she was a sweet old lady who didn't want to be any trouble to anyone. Uh, uh, maybe no. I have a problem. Uh. <laughs> it could, could be. be on me. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the thing is not every character is going to be likable to everyone. I, but I think it was more about her relationship with Kira. Yeah. And you said you had some problems with that, like it felt like it kind of came from out of nowhere or something? Yeah, well, they didn't they didn't actually interact like as two like characters having a moment together until mm. she'd already like died and been resurrected and they were having a heart to heart later. So I didn't feel the connection with them and they didn't they didn't really establish a real connection between Kira and the Kai. There was there was connections with Cisco and the Kai, which is understandable, but but mm -hmm. for Kira to have such feeling and to have nothing really come back from the Kai towards her, it just made it disconnected for me. Well, see, to me, that felt like Kira sees her as like this huge, you know, this like huge a celebrity religious figure yeah. mm -hmm. who is also a really like good religious figure. She's not just like some jerk ass pope. <laughs> well, and, like she and cares about her people. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> we we've been trying really hard not to, you know, compare to things that haven't happened yet. We're trying to be fair and judge the show on its own merits. But Matt, I, I'm guessing it's nigh impossible for you not to remember who comes after her. I hate Kai Win. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> I hate her so much. I know you do. I hate no. I hate her so much. It's okay. It's okay, Matt. Do you hate her worse than Aquiel? Ooh. It's a different kind of hate. I the thing is, I only have to see Aquiel for one episode. Uh, that's a that's a good point. Well, but this you know again, this comes later. This it's not really yeah. fair to judge her based on that. No. Uh, what are but your I mean, feelings I on just, her in general, though? I just I like her. I liked her quite a bit. You know, she seemed like someone who genuinely gave a shit about the Bajoran people. Mm -hmm. She was interested in the in the station, mm -hmm. and even more interested in the wormhole, which is supposed to be this huge deal. And it hasn't officially been revealed that that's where the prophets live yet. Like no, so that one of the things that that surprised me about this one is that it seems like she knows more about what's happening than she should. Well, it was all about prophecy. It was all about she had read a bunch of you know prophetic stuff that said she would go to some faraway place or something yeah. like that. Which, on the one <laughs> hand, I hate prophecies and me fiction, too. but on the other hand, these are non-linear time aliens who would mm. know what happened in the future. We're just telling people shit. Yeah, I guess. I hey, think eventually I, you're going to go through this hole. I think yeah. I like uh, I like how it ends up working later, but just the establishing stuff at the beginning, I don't like as much. Yeah. Right. And that's where and, we are right now. Well, the thing is they haven't cleared up a whole lot of stuff that's probably important at this no, point. No, the, the big fact that, that Cisco is the emissary of the prophets hasn't really been revealed yet. And to no. me, that's the, the sort of cornerstone of what makes the Bajoran religious episodes interesting and yeah. not just tedious. Yeah. Like, that's so important to... It, like, it's so important that it's it's hard to forget that it has... 
that it, or it's hard to remember that it hasn't come up yet. Yeah, but yeah. I also don't feel like I'm violating our rule about spoiling future episodes because the pilot was called Emissary. Yes. <laughs> and and it was fairly clear that the orbs came from them and that, you know, that they were these mysterious aliens that were watching over Bejor. Like, all mm. that's been established already. Just for some reason, they haven't told anyone yet. So we're in this weird area where we, the audience, know stuff that the characters don't know. Yeah. Why are you keeping that under your hats, guys? Come on. It's <laughs> yeah, probably exactly. important. We all basically had the same good thing, though, as it turns out, which is the, the, the whole, you know, different aspects of the same thing, which is the whole uh, relationship between the Kai and, and Kira. Yeah. That's because it was the one very small, bright spot in a pretty dirty episode. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> and I'm just going to go into my bad thing. We travel 50,000 light years and uh, there's still mullity rebels. Come yeah. on. <laughs> and they look like the uber, like the, the ultimate. Oh, yeah. Know, they've got the greasy long hair and stupid scars and, and shitty battle. Used, I mean, this was... Used Klingon battle armor. Yeah, that was, that was your <laughs> yeah. bad thing, wasn't it? Just the general look of them? Yep. They look like shit. They, they just... look cheap and like shit. And how... I mean, uh, Kim, I know you, you uh, didn't watch Breaking Bad all the way through, but uh, Matt, how... <laughs> How surreal was it that that was indeed Mike Ehrmantraut from, uh... It wasn't just surreal. The worst part is, he was not a very good actor. No, I think they cast him <laughs> at what he's good at in Breaking Bad, because he wasn't much different. No. He's just sort of monotone and gruff. He's and, like an you know. angry, slow talker. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to me, Walter. But on, on Breaking Bad, it was because he was this sort of crafty thinker. He was always one step ahead of you, and... You just took the reason that he was talking so slowly as he was calculated. Yeah, yeah, or like trying to dumb it down so he could communicate yeah. effectively. Right. Whereas yeah. here, it's just... Uh, He's talking dumb. slow because he got hit in the brain with an axe. Like right. Repeatedly. every day yeah. forever. And we were looking through Memory Alpha just before we started, and it turns out that axe was a tool handle and a piece of cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> I have crappy really, quality yeah. on because I'm watching it on Netflix on like Wi-Fi or whatever, so the quality is mm -hmm. not good. But it still looked like garbage. Yeah. Well, these, in, in fairness to Netflix and any other streaming service, the the actual DVDs of the show don't look that great. Like, no, yeah. they don't do a very good job of cleaning this show up. No, and I wish they would they would do them in HD for Blu-ray. But uh, as it as it stands, everything I know says that they're not doing the show or Voyager at all. Ugh. Well, that's depressing. Just, yeah. Well, it, it takes a ton of work, and I think as far as popular series go, people love the original series of Next Gen, and the other two were just kind of like, eh. And Enterprise doesn't count because it was filmed in HD in the first place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that's super easy to yeah. <laughs> to uh, get on Blu-ray. But I think, I think DS9 <clears throat> and Voyager are both sort of more, you know, shows that the fans liked, mm -hmm. as opposed to shows which, with mainstream appeal. Which is mm -hmm. bullshit, because, you know popular franchise and they were both on the air for seven years yeah like, i know that's and pretty impressive also I, people I like agree. to collect sets yes yeah but that's nerd that's i know us. that's yeah. not the world in general i just i think they probably can't justify the cost because neither show was nearly as popular as the other two fucking dumb and yeah, also it's awesome also it's taken like a year for each um next gen season set to come out i think they're only on season four or something yeah now. you're right so it's going to take a while for those to even be all out because they started uh what they started putting those out just before we started uh doing tng right i think so i don't remember we I watched know. the first episode on your uh oh that's right we did on your uh what do you call it disc? My, yeah the uh the sample disc they had yeah that's true i forgot about that um 
Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. We're not really talking about the episode much. It just <laughs> no. That's because this episode's a fucking bucket of turds. Actually, well, that's actually, my bad thing. Well, go ahead. <laughs> Tell us all about that. This episode was so boring. It, like, what happened? Nothing. What got resolved? Nothing. They lost the Kai. It was like, oh, hey. She showed up and was like, hey, guys, I need you to do a thing. Okay, off we go. Oops, the thing that I need to do is come here and die. Oh, no. Well, okay, bye then. War forever for you. <laughs> and we lost a runabout. Yeah. <laughs> Those things are expensive, man. What a yep. pain in the butt. This episode yeah. was a pain in the butt for everyone involved. That's the thing, like, it wasn't one of the, uh, it wasn't a remarkably bad episode. It was just one of the, it was just a turd. Yeah. But we, and we've said this before, a bad DS9 episode is still a little better than a bad Next Gen episode because they still do that, that nice little character development thing. Yeah, at least it has that going for it because it does not have anything else going for it. It's just, did you guys know war is bad? <laughs> yeah, no, war and vengeance are bad. No way. Like, I had no idea. Keeping yep. violence within your heart didn't... is not good? Hmm. Hmm. Huh. hmm. No, that leads to ulcers, I've read. Well, <laughs> we can we can uh, hopefully hope that this has uh, some effect on Kira, like, in the long term. Like, maybe she'll dial it down a bit. Yeah, that would be nice. Because <laughs> I like, do like the character, every scene but... she was in, she needed to take it down, like, one and a half notches, and it would have been, and not like, just... so much better. Not just her being angry either, but also when she's crying when the Kai dies. Yeah. Like oh when she's God. crying, she when she's like happy. Crazy. <laughs> Flailing her arms around. See, this is what I was talking about back when the first episode came out, and I said she was like a weird little bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. There's just a, there's a dial, there's a setting that's on like eight, and it needs yep. to go down to like six or five. Okay, yeah, I want to go with the bulldog like metaphor three. for a second. It's like when you have a bulldog and it's still a puppy, and it's like, rah, 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 uh, rah, and then it ages like a couple years, and it just like gets a little bit more like chill. Yeah, yeah she exactly. Needs to mellow out. And we've seen ahead. We know will. that she will. Yeah. yeah. And it's frustrating between that and then seeing Dax just being kind of plain and boring. Yeah. yeah. It's been a little frustrating to see two of the best characters on the show just not being yeah. what they're going to be. Like, the words bland and Dax should not go together. But no, but right now... The sliders are off. It's okay. They'll yeah. just readjust. Sliders. I, I was just thinking of the show Sliders when you said that. <laughs> Why would you ever think of that show? That's what we're doing after uh, Star Trek. <laughs> oh, God. Please, please we're gonna don't. Do the we're going to do Sliders, Farscape, and... Uh, Stargate. You know Sequest. what? I think I'm going to be busy DSV that day. <laughs> <laughs> that day when we do that all of those six shows. Years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, by that point, you know, they might have done a reboot, a, a gritty reboot where uh, <laughs> Sliders is a good show. <laughs> I can't wait. They're, we are going to get uh, mail, you guys. You know that? We're going to get tweets and mail about uh, how Sliders is a great show and we're all stupid. Oh, good. no, not the Sliders fan base. <laughs> not the Sliders fan. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's mean. There was a. There Isn't was... the Sliders fan just John Reese Davies? <laughs> <laughs> no, he he had to move on. And even he got mad and left after two years. Yeah, I know uh, a lot about Sliders. Apparently, you do. I I just remember that that's Sala from the Indiana Jones movies. Yep. I just remember um, changing the channel. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all remember that. I just remember Sliders. We now return to Sliders. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's see what Fraser's up to. Yep. 
There's a there's a moment in this episode. Speaking of this episode, which oh right, we're mm. not doing, where they pull that that whole stupid uh, commander. You better get down here. And <laughs> he basically says bullshit. What's going on? Yeah, I love that. Like I'm not. No, tell me. You te- look. I'm your boss. Just tell me what to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what else? I love uh, I love Julian just sort of uh, forcing his way onto the ship. Yeah. Oh, can I go, please? Please come on. <laughs> There's a lot of like um, awkward interactions in a group of people who are acquaintances and not friends, but mm-hmm. all want to go and do something together. Yep. <laughs> Well, that, and I like that dynamic. I like that as we start out, these people are strangers and they're not immediately friends. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's a good thing, but it's painful to watch when you know how much better it can be. Well, and you <laughs> even said, why do people not like Julian in either of these episodes? I don't yeah. understand. He's so cute and likable. Like, well, not yet. He's not. No. I still like him and think he's cute, even when he's, like, yapping and he being tr- generally he annoying. He tries so hard. Yeah, it's adorable. Yeah, he's, he's a different kind of little puppy. Everyone on the like, show was a puppy. <laughs> yep. No, don't make me draw fanfic. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> You've and, already started, I can tell. And Bashir and Kira in real life got married, so that ties them together even more. That's weird. It is weird. Mm-hmm. I did not know that information. Yeah. And then they it, got divorced on the show, too. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't last very long, but while the show was on, they those two hooked up. There's... Uh, <laughs> No, I'm not gonna. That's a spoiler. I'm not gonna. Awkward. Not gonna talk about that. Yeah. Um. I like that uh, Kai Opaka. The correct way to uh, address her is Opaka, like her yeah. name. Yeah. They don't have yeah. to call her your Eminence or your Holiness or any bullshit like that. <laughs> your Holiness Muffin. <laughs> I was actually, su- I was actually really surprised by that because it feels like something that Bajor would be, you know, super into. Yeah. What, like the official like title? a special name for everything. Yeah, a special name for everything else. Uh, I suppose that's like true. their earrings. Yeah, when Bajorans religion, they religion hard. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it, the the whole thing story wise is supposed to be that the Cardassians completely crushed them, and all they had left was their religion. So mm. I can kind of understand that. It's logical. Yep. It, to an extent, and they do have gods that you can just fly into space and go see. Well, yeah, they, don't, they don't know, know that yet. yet. Well, okay, but they have the orbs, which are actual physical things that came from the gods. Yeah. That you can actually prove exist because there they are. Yep. <laughs> so there's that. Um, let's see. We had a moment oh. where... Oh, go ahead. Oh, this was weird. Like, I never noticed this before. There's only, like, a little over 100 planets in the Federation. Yeah, that sounds about right. They That's mentioned a lot of that in this, and I thought it was so much bigger than that. Really? Well, they're spaced out really far. I guess that's true. Yeah, in, um... In the original series, I think it was only like a, a dozen or something. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Man, I, how did I, I miss that? I believe so, but I could be wrong about that one. I don't know. It's just space is really big and busy in Star Trek. I figured the Federation probably had more guys than that. It yeah, only looks busy because thing... you don't see like the 4,000 years of driving to the new place. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. true. But um, one of the main things about this show is preparing Bajor to join the Federation. It takes a while. Like, that process, they don't just say, all right, you're in. Anymore. They want to, yeah. They want to make sure that you're, you know, you're cool, that you're, you know, you're cool enough for the club. Yeah. And that (laughs) takes time. Got to ask you some questions. Like, how do you kill Wolfman? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And doesn't they ever kick him in the nards? Yes. Okay. (laughs) It usually does the trick quite nicely, I found. Oh. 
Uh, O'Brien actually solved something by saying... By kicking uh, it in the nards. By kicking it in the nards. <laughs> and something bad happens. <laughs> he's like, we can't find them. It's like a needle in a haystack. And then he's thinking for a minute. Wait a minute. Needle in a haystack. Of course, that's it. You can oh. use a magnet to find a needle. Yep. Uh, that was terrible. That was like uh, that was like some Batman 66 logic there. <laughs> but I like At Batman you, 66. Yes, because it's winking at you when it says things yeah, like that. It's allowed true. to be that goofy. It doesn't, doesn't take itself that seriously. This is Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Although now I want to see one of those red phones under glass in, uh, in ops. <laughs> right? <laughs> Benjamin, we have a call coming in from the commissioner. <laughs> is that you, Batman? <laughs> Thank God you're there, Cape Crusader. <laughs> oh, it's a grand thing that you came, Cape Crusader. We needed you so badly. Oh, well, thank you, Chief O'Brien. Chief, yeah, Chief O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> was, oh, it was, it was uh, our friend Chief Brian. O'Hara, meet Chief O'Brien. Hey, our, our friend Brian, who's, you know, a regular guest on the show, was saying that in the Nolan Batman movies, it would be great to have Cole Meany as Chief O'Brien. Oh, my that God, That would have been yeah. awesome. Or Chief O'Hara, rather. Yeah. I'm delighted by that idea. You can, you can make him a serious police chief, just yeah. with an Irish accent. <laughs> ah, too late. That, that's, uh, that's, that ship has sailed. Yeah. Uh, this is pretty much all I have, and then it says I war is bad, you guys. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> I like that a testament to this, the boringness of this entire plot was that one of my notes was, well, that escalated slowly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joke. glad you're here to read that to us, because when I read the note, it was like, yeah, it did, so what? <laughs> but it was, it was all about the tone. Yeah. You can't really write that tone. Uh, there was there was a great scene at the beginning, and Matt, that ended up being your quote, did it not? Yes, it did. This is there's uh, a uh, there's a yeah, thumb drive floating around the the station uh, with like I guess basically the Cardassians' top ten worst uh, Bajoran guys, mm-hmm. and Kira's <laughs> way at the bottom. Yeah, it's she's like not a, thrilled about that. A minor, yeah. A minor operative whose activities are limited to running errands for the terrorist leaders? Major, when you're through feeling underappreciated, perhaps you'd join me in welcoming the Kai aboard. That's pretty great. I think so. J- what? But I was no, dangerous. You, I killed people. What do you know how many about? of those guys I killed? So many of them. <laughs> I was a terrorist. I'm I, a mean, ter- fighter, I was such a fighter. good terrorist and I loved killing everyone all the time and uh, wait, uh, I don't have anger in my heart. Oh, is that a, is that a religious leader shit? <laughs> oh no. I mean, I mean love? Love? That's what I mean. I'd like to buy the world a coke. <laughs> and teach that coke they only have to Pepsi. Sing? Oh wow. <laughs> They're never getting into the federation then. <laughs> Welcome to Bejor. Is Pepsi okay? <laughs> <clears throat> I right. distinctly remember that uh, Pepsi is the choice of the Klingon generations. So. Oh, of course it is. It is. Confirmed. Uh, yep. Right. But uh, for some reason on Vulcan, it's only logical to drink RC Cola. <laughs> well, it is cheaper. Yeah. Apparently Logic. So. And of course, Cardassians like Mountain Dew. Well, <laughs> now I'm picturing Cardassians doing extreme sports like in Mountain <laughs> Dew commercials. <laughs> Snowboarding and so forth. It's yeah, extreme. that sounds about right. It's extreme, Commander. Commander. <laughs> oh, no. All right, moving forward. Any any further business on this episode before we go on to the next one? No, let Kim tell us the story of the storyteller. Please, please do. 
Allow me to tell you the story of the storyteller. Oh, shit, teller. I'm sorry. And which there are nice two stories. Oh, there, shit, man. I didn't even see that. <laughs> Fuck. Story the first. We begin with O'Brien trying to weasel his way out of some quality time with dear Dr. Bashir. And since the O'Brien Bashir show is one of my most favorite parts later on, this grumpy no friends beginning business is great. I'm actually surprised that I never read any fanfic about this relationship. <laughs> Well, off they go into a backwater Bajoran village, which is in mortal danger from an old wizard who is dying of oldness, and he's taking them all with him. He's the only one who can defeat the magic cloud that descends upon this village every harvest time for five consecutive nights, whereupon the old wizard must tell a bedtime story so the people can wish it away and have a good sleep. Old wizard is on his deathbed when Bashir and O'Brien arrive to save him from oldness. Wizardy uses O'Brien as a pawn by declaring the chief as his successor. Oldie McWizard Pants brings O'Brien with him to wish the Balrog back into the woods and dies of oldness in the process. The village rejoices at their new chief wizard. They throw food, decorative vases, and vagina at him. This prompts the apprentice <laughs> to go into a jealous rage. He tries to stab Chief O'Wizard in the face but fails, which is a good thing because O'Brien actually wants to give him the job back anyway. Bashir pretty much point-blank tells the audience, wow, this old McWizardy orchestrated this whole thing to put the faith of the people back in the Apprentice. You see, the village lost their faith in him because Apprentice failed to defeat the cloud that one time, you remember. When O'Brien fails to save the village, their faith is restored because McWizardy in training hops up to save their butts. Good job at Cloud Fight, everyone. Have a good snooze. <laughs> and now, for some reason, there's also a second story in this episode, of which I will tell you that story as well. Please do. <laughs> Kira and Sisko are tasked with a diplomatic mission. Apparently, the Cardassians moved a river a couple of feet one time, and now the groups, the Took and the Nunu or something that live on either <laughs> side of that river, got mad. Some sort of paper said that the river is the dividing line between the groups and tribes, but since there was interference and one group got the short end of the deal, they're going to have a war, I guess, or something. The delegates appear on the station to talk, and good gracious, one of them is a young female. Everyone faints at the scandal. Sisko decides to invite them to tea, which defies all logic, since the formal negotiations are kind of put in place, so there's actually structure to the discussion between the contentious parties, but whatever. It gives us a chance to have Quark get a bubble young baby girl drink thrown in his face because the young female leader of the faction is not a little girl, dang it, boo-hoo. She storms off in a super grown-up temper tantrum. Nog falls in love with her immediately on sight because he's apparently never seen a female in his entire life. The young girl interacts with the kids her own age and they get caught by Odo because they're engaging in shenanigans. And she cries because she doesn't have parents anymore and then uses the rule, the Ferengi rule of acquisition number nine that Nog told her to maybe solve her problems with the other tribe's leader, who is a fat old guy, just like God intended. If anyone can tell me how these two plots are supposed to fit together thematically, I will give you a cookie. If you can tell me why you decided at the last minute to switch from a ruckus to shenanigans, I'll give you two cookies. <laughs> Well, you see, it's because shenanigans sounds more fun when I say it out loud. Well, I disagree. Point. I think a ruckus <laughs> well, a loud horsing off is probably I, better. I think they're both equally good. I just I follow along with you in your uh, 
in your summary here. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not what she wrote. This isn't a ruckus. <laughs> She's going off script. I did it specifically to torture you. Oh, well, it didn't work. Damn it. Nothing I and do now works. I owe, now I owe you two cookies. <laughs> There's still also, a cookie up for grabs, I mean. The two plots are, are linked because of the human equation. That's always the answer. Well, that's Fucking bullshit, equation. and I don't accept it. All right. No cookie for you. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> I don't really like cookies anyway. <laughs> I will give you three cookies if you tell me how many times the word wizard appears in the first paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I like the I like pretending he's a wizard. He was such a wizard. I mean, he stood on a rock with the wind blowing his wizardly beard around, proclaiming <laughs> things and shaking his fist at the sky. You can't get much more wizardy than that. No, that dude was a wizard. I suppose he was. <laughs> I'm just going to jump to my good thing, mostly because this is something we started talking about in the previous episode. Mm. I love how most of these people just don't like each other yet. Like you were saying, they they just started working together. They don't really mm. have relationships yet. And I like that. I like that they're giving themselves room to grow because especially Bashir and O'Brien. Mm-hmm. They Even grow so much. The fact, well, yeah, we know they're going to be friends. And I, that's a bit of a spoiler, I guess, whatever. But it's it's weird for us who have seen ahead to think, you know, these two never liked each other like at the beginning. It's just it's it's very strange. But even ignoring that, it feels just more natural. Yeah. He would be annoyed at first. The well, thing is, when when TNG started, we had a show that nobody really thought was going to was going to work. Right. Right. So they couldn't so, really play the long game on that. No, they couldn't play the long con the long con on that. And also they had Gene who doesn't believe in. Conflict. Good storytelling. So. Yeah. <laughs> Conflict, the cornerstone yeah. of good drama. Yeah. But here, they, I mean, I assume they knew they were going to have at least a couple of years. Right. So, you know, they really, they could sort of give themselves room to, te- like, to tell these, like, these longer, more good stories. Right. Do you think more they good. intended to make them the very best of friends from the beginning? Or is that I something that think... evolved with the writers? I think it evolved with the writers when they sort of figured, they sort of realized how good uh, their chemistry was. Yeah, the actors? Yep. Yeah. That's usually how those things tend to happen, but I don't I don't actually know in this case. I feel like the plan was maybe to have them start off as just not getting along. Well, when and you look at it, it, when you look at it on paper, you got the young, cocky officer and then the older, working class kind of mm-hmm. guy. And I mean, it, it, they're obviously not going to like each other at first, although Bashir yeah. wants him desperately to like him. <laughs> he wants everyone well, uh, Bashir, to like him. Yeah. Yeah, but Bashir's one of those guys. Yeah. Oh, can I come along, please? Why don't you like me? I'm so wonderful. <laughs> oh, delight. Have I told you how smart I am? Willikins, a... tell him how smart I am. He's very smart, sir. We've had a special request to make Bashir sound more like Nick more often. Really? So I think I can make that happen. <laughs> I like that, too. Well, you, you definitely get the enthusiasm there. It's true. You definitely get the, uh, although Nick, I don't think, really cares if anyone likes him. <laughs> Why wouldn't anyone like me? I'm a, de- I'm a, I'm a lo- lovable I'm a rogue. lovable chap. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I do like, there's a, there's a whole exchange about, uh, like, when they're on their way to Bajor. Where he's he's like, um, Chief, why why do, do I annoy you? Why, why <laughs> I love would you that say he asked that question. Yeah. <laughs> and, Bashir's and, not good with people. No. It's really hard to answer that question, like, honestly and, and not hurt somebody's feelings. Why don't you like me? 
But then he's like, don't call me sir, call me Julian. Uh, do I have let to? Me, let me lower myself down to the working class. Oh. Where you to be like common people. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'll see what I can do. Um, and I love that whenever he says Julian, it's like, it's like he's saying shithead. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I no, you don't annoy me at all, shithead. Julian, Julian, Julian. Ryan, go uh, fuck yourself. Yep. Uh, Kim, what was your good thing? <laughs> um, I I had a hard time finding a good thing in this episode too. Um, <laughs> I like O'Brien. I, I like it when well, he's on the screen count. and acting. That's totally that a cop out. So I put another thing. Okay, I was going to say, well, that doesn't count, because we all like O'Brien all the time. Well, liking O'Brien is the, Picard is a good actor of Deep Space Nine. Right. <laughs> it's like, uh, no kidding. So my other good thing is that I liked I liked it when Jake was, like, explaining to the young female that um, Odo lives in a bucket. <laughs> Just the line, <laughs> Odo lives in a bucket, makes me laugh. I mean, he literally does live in a bucket, but it does yep. sound funny when you say it. He like doesn't that. live in a bucket. He lives on Deep Space Nine. In a bucket. <laughs> he sleeps in a bucket. Oh, well, excuse the hell out of me. Yeah. Is it actually, I, um... like, sleeping? Because I'm, I'm confused now. Yeah, he sleeps in a bucket. Yeah, he, he just, like, goes there to... to go to bed, right? And relax? Yeah, he has yeah. to revert back to his liquid state every so often. And Otherwise, then... he gets sick. Right. <laughs> it's like taking off a tight pair of pants. He's yeah. just takes his pants off and slides into a bucket. Blah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he makes that noise. Yeah. <laughs> no, I looked at I looked this episode up on Memory Alpha and one of the continuity entries was first appearance of Odo's bucket. Aww. <laughs> I love Memory Alpha. Yep. <laughs> and for those of you who've never used Memory Alpha, you should go there and type in the word chair. <laughs> because there is a 20 paragraph dissertation on chairs in Star Trek that is just delightful. And why oh, and how they exist. Yeah, somebody shared this with me on Tumblr some time ago, and it's just, it's just cracked me the hell up. Oh, Isn't that on the, the topic... uh, post-atomic horror Tumblr? Why, yes, it Indeed is. post For all your Star Trek news, reviews, and interviews. Mm. None of that is true. <laughs> no, just reblogs of other things we saw that were funny. Yeah. No, as, as long as we're on the topic of Memory Alpha, if one of you guys could tell me which one of you went on to the Odo entry on Memory Alpha and put in Quark <laughs> yeah, under as one quotes. of his quotes... <laughs> Please tell me. I'll give you the cookie. <laughs> I'm really impressed. That cookie's still up for grabs. Well, Brian's edit of um, the, the Enterprise is garbage, I believe, yep. is still there. <laughs> yep. Which is fantastic. Uh, we appear to have strayed from the subject again. Uh, uh, yeah. I wonder why. Now, what was your good thing? Uh, I, on the topic of Odo's bucket, I actually, I'm not a big fan of Nog's antics, but... Uh, Sneaking into Odo's office, stealing his bucket, filling it with oatmeal from the replicator, and then dumping it on Jake and acting like he dumped sleeping Odo on him. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I actually like Odo and, uh, or excuse me, uh, Nog and Jake just acting like kids. Mostly because the last kid we had in Star Trek was Wesley, who acted nothing like a kid. Well, the thing is, Wesley didn't have any friends, you know? Yeah. He, like... All of his friends were grown-up dorks. Right. So, like, everything he did looked, was just more awkward just by the fact that he didn't have anyone to play off of, you know? And, right. You know, say what you will about Jake and Nog, but they 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 play off each other well. 
They do, and they act exactly. I think Jake's supposed to be like fourteen. They act about like I remember acting at that yeah. age, which is incredibly stupid. Kind of an awkward asshole. Yeah, I want you're breaking into the security office. Why? I don't know. Because I can. Yeah, <laughs> it's just one of those things. Why do I light fires? I don't know. It's fun. Yeah, it seems well, stupid. I, I, yes, incredibly stupid. Which is appropriate because kids are stupid. Right, they really are. And What's that about? The nice thing about this show being seven years is you get to watch Jake grow up from being stupid to being insufferable in other ways. <laughs> and we'll get to that in due time. Yes. I like, I like, I think it's like a testament to the evolution of Star Trek, the television show as like a, a whole, that they can have children acting like stupid idiots now. Like yeah. before, well, if you had had, if when you have the children on the Enterprise, they're... They're all just like, I'm a space child, ho ho. But and this is like, <laughs> I'm an actual child who's doing stupid things. Yeah, I, I definitely. Well, I think overall the difference between the two series is that I think mm -hmm. people just act more sort of realistically ground, you know, grounded down to earth kind of people. People are more relaxed on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, <laughs> and yet, and yet at the same time more tense. Yeah, because they hate each other. Mm -hmm. Which I kind of like. I don't know. The, the, the fact that these people, again, start out hating each other and gradually grow to like each other in, in some regard. It like, feels love, and respect each other. You yeah, know, it, like it feels more like an actual family instead of on Next Gen when they kept telling us these people were family and we just we didn't quite buy it. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy it. Sorry. We are a family whose father doesn't want to actually be with us. And right. I think it might be more because of the setting. Like on the, on the Enterprise, we... Most of the character stuff happens with just the bridge crew isolated from everybody except for the extras who are, like, yeah, they're set for pieces. One week and then, yeah. But on Deep Space Nine, it's like a, they all live together in the same apartment complex, so they have a closer yeah. relationship. Yeah, and we've already started filling out the extended cast with characters like Garrick and Rom. And um, More who else? There's been a, I guess Con I guess Nog isn't and... really yeah Con yeah and Boomhauer. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it feels more like these. And, and, you mm -hmm. know, you come to work every day, you see the same person every day. Well, you, you're gonna have to get along with them, I guess. Yeah. Um, or at least hate him in interesting ways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let, let's let's talk a bit more about the planet and and the whole trials Ugh. of O'Brien. The uh, dumbasses that live in this stupid village. Yeah, Kim, what, what, I just want to lead into your bad thing here. Okay. Well, it's like they just arrive on this planet of people who have this problem and they the problem is stupid and the people are stupid about it and it's just boring and, and nothing there's no, nothing that I care about happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I, I'm interested in the fact that Chief O'Brien is having kind of a hard time. Yeah, it's interesting to watch him suffer, as we'll see in future seasons. But yes. my, my God, these people are dumb! And that, that actually dovetails into my bad thing, which is, you know, I don't always love the Bajorans, but I kind of have come to, to be fairly interested in at least their the religion because of the wormhole thing and all that. But... I never thought of them as this stupid. Yeah. These this village of people it just feels like this archaic like 
the rest of them are supposed to be rebuilding from a from an occupation, but otherwise yeah. fairly advanced. Bajor is an advanced spacefaring culture, and they've been an advanced spacefaring culture for a long time. Yeah, yeah. but they're also afraid of clouds, so... <sighs> These people are afraid of clouds. Yeah, and I just, I don't buy that that there's that much of a concentrated, I mean, of course there's going to be stupid people, <laughs> but all in one place? Yeah. What are the odds? Well, also, it's like the logic of the story doesn't make sense because we were talking about it, the, um, when the Cardassians were taking over, they wouldn't have been able to every year uh, break from their work camps and defeat the cloud. Right. And this is supposed to be an ancient tradition that's been going on for a jillion years, but it's mm. not possible for that to have happened. Right, because five years ago they were all in slave camps. Yeah. Well, see, the th I was thinking about that. Back when slavery was a thing here, you know, mm -hmm. like, at night, a lot of the, like, slave owners would just, you know, let the slaves do whatever their traditions were. Yeah, I suppose that's true. It's possible, like... I suppose that's true. You but, know, it's, it's, there's precedence for this, basically. But, but this was all predicated on this stupid magic ring the guy had, which ended up being part of an orb. Yeah. yeah. And if the Cardassians ever found out that that existed, there's no way he would have been yeah, able that's, to keep that. Yeah, that's the flaw. That's yeah. the flaw. Yes, you can that's tell it's the an orb only because flaw. it's not orb-shaped. That's right. Yep. <laughs> the only one. Well, uh, Matt, what's your bad thing? Not sure if this is really a bad thing, but it made me feel bad, so good enough. <laughs> So let's talk about this episode and what it says about religion. Oh, what it says is that uh, with enough faith and, of course, some guidance from an old white dude who's been given the privilege by other old white dudes and who, by the way, would be more than happy to accept your gifts of women and riches and stuff to put on his chair, <laughs> we, the village, can defeat the scary sky monster that comes down from heaven to shoot cloud wads at our bridges. It brings us together, it unites us as a prosperous people, and it's completely, utterly fake bullshit, and the guy in charge knows it is, but it's easier than fixing it, and also, he'd lose out on his sweet meal ticket. It's a little on the nose there, Star Trek, don't you think? Yeah, but you don't like religion. Well spotted. So for Star Trek to come out and say, look, religion is bad because this. Yep. Then why aren't you on this episode's side? I don't know. Because it's boring. I just think it's irritating. Well, it's because, because they left it that way. Yeah. It's sloppy storytelling. I mean, there's <laughs> there's not an ounce of subtlety to it. I'll give you like, that. Th like, they don't solve the problem and are all like, this is, people have been lying to you forever. Yeah, that's like, just like, well, we're going <laughs> to, you guys seem to be doing all right. Enjoy this. <laughs> that Enjoy was the life. least satisfying thing of all about this episode is that everything goes back to the way it was and these people are still ignorant. Yeah. yeah. Like, shouldn't you, like, learn something? Yeah, Maybe. there should have been a point where O'Brien couldn't tell the story, and then he stops and tells them that it's all a sham, and then the thing just disappears. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that their belief in themselves as a people... Right. ...should be what unites the them. Yeah. ...for the last time. Yeah, well, that would be a, the Kirk way to do it, is yeah. you ruin their society, and then you go back home. Yeah. Also, uh, this uh, entire conversation about this episode has nothing to do with the entire other half of the episode, so you know that. That's an be. excellent point. That's a, but see, that's a DS9 thing. They usually have an A story and a B story that don't have anything to do with each but other. But when you're telling a plot and a subplot or two plots, shouldn't there be a thread of thematic relevance between mm -hmm. the two? Not necessarily. There hasn't been so far. I'm saying if you if you consider that a, a criticism, it's it's valid, but it's not unique to this episode. Okay. 
they do this a lot. They did an episode, you know, where they're chasing around a, a guy who's being hunted. And at the same time, I think that's the one where Keiko wants to put the school together. Like, mm. there's no particular uh, pattern to the that's to the A story and B story. Mm. At the same time, Cisco's coming to uh, O'Brien's for dinner and Keiko needs to get ready. Yeah, because... Uh, because O'Brien will make vice president if he's... Uh, <laughs> That's right. If the dinner's good enough. But if it's not good enough, he'll get fired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, Sitcom logic! I was... I, I was. I brought this one up on Netflix, and it's... The, the, the description starts, two rival Bajoran factions. It's like, oh, oh no. <sighs> and that, I didn't even mind that subplot. I didn't, I didn't mind Jake and Nog being goofy and the, the girl... Although I suppose we should talk about the girl because I think that really bugged you, Kim. Yeah, well, it's just a early '90s, like small female can't do the thing, and uh, I got mad about it because I live in the t- 2013, and that mm-hmm. kind of shit doesn't fly as well. No. I just I didn't take it as a sexist thing. I took it as a this child can't do it. Yeah, but it the, the way that they shot the initials, the initial shot of her, they were like on a down shot and made her look tall, and she didn't seem like I am a small child to me until she was next to Jake and Nog, and then it was like, yeah. oh, okay, I kind of get it now. And she's like, she needs a father figure, but I, the initial impact of that was like, <gasps> a girl? I guess I, think- I can see that, and I actually had a note to that effect, but I just, I don't think that that's what they were getting at. I think that might have been just a poor directing choice. Yeah. I feel like the, like, the problem here is that the only person who doesn't think she can do a good job at the job she's here to do is her. Right. Yeah. Because everyone else is just like, let, okay, well, let's get to business. You're like, okay, you're 16, but you're also in charge of these people, so let's do the job. And she's just freaking out at people. Yeah. Like, Cork brings her a drink that she clearly ordered. Yep. <laughs> and she throws it a, in wh- his face. Which yep. was whatever a space variation of a Shirley Temple is. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And an adorable fizz pop for the tiny child. Yep. Well, maybe you should have ordered a beer. <laughs> That's how you get him to take you seriously. That's like a rule of acquisition or something, probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I do like that Nog says you know starts giving her sort of ferengi philosophy like if you have something they want then find something you know turn it into an advantage what do you find something want? you and, want and negotiate yeah. and i actually really nice, liked that yeah, yeah it was a nice little piece of what the ferengi culture is actually about yeah it was cool because it was like a legit exchange like this is the background yeah. that nog has and it is applicable to this girl's problem which he's trying to fix like he's trying to help right, yeah. her and so he helps her with some knowledge that is like no no, no other character could have given that insight to her yeah mm-hmm. exactly and it, it also feeds back to what i was saying a week or two ago where they're starting to flesh out the ferengi so they're not quite so much a joke yeah See, that's the thing that i like the most is get it, making the ferengi into a culture that works you right. know and he's using legitimate philosophy from their rules of acquisition and saying, yeah, this is how we would handle it. And like you say, Kim, it's it's it could only come from him. Like Jake wouldn't know that. No. no. And it's cool. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. And that's why that B plot didn't bother me that much. The A plot on the planet, I couldn't care less about. <laughs> it's really just it's the right it's it's some of the, the some of the writing the girl gets. Yeah. Very yeah. Good. I guess that's true, and and some of that might have been the acting as well. Like she might yep. have played it a little too like whiny teen girl. She's a little, she's a little too Don Summers. Ooh. I don't know, because um, there's parts where she when she's 
trying to negotiate legitimately the 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 acting is not terrible like when she first arrives she Mm -hmm. she appears to be a strong character with like she has something to say and she's here to fix the problem but then Mm. and then like the rest of the time she's like oh i'm a little girl boom and then it's like she's basically fine when she's not freaking out at people yeah so i think it's more of a writing then i don't want to hear from her yeah I guess I could see that. I don't know. I I didn't see it as, you know, like I said, I didn't see it as a girl. I saw it as more no. like this teenager child. is way too young to be doing this job. And she actually just wants to be throwing things at people on the on the promenade, just like, you know, the other little kids do. <laughs> well, who wouldn't? I think making her a girl is probably just so not going to have a crush on her. Yeah. That yeah. gets you in there. Right. That's your in. Yeah. Because I don't think the Ferengi are cool with, with being gay because that would just be a whole, you know. I feel like Ferengi would see being gay as a really sweet partnership. <laughs> I guess that's true. I don't know. It's just the attitude that they have toward their women. It feels yeah. like, unless it's like the Greeks, where they just sort of completely discount their women and sex is for men. Yeah. <laughs> that could be a thing. No, I totally see gay Ferengis as like, okay, I found a guy who not only is a great business associate, but who I can also fuck. Yeah. That's a fair point. He gives good Seems like mocks. a sweet gig, frankly. <laughs> that's true. I could be wrong. Yeah. But this is Star um, Trek, so there's no gay people in Star Trek. Right, of course. Yeah, Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh, wait, uh, I mean, yeah. oh, there's Amanda. no gay people in Star Trek. I'm Amanda. <laughs> there you go. That's stuff. <laughs> it's like she's sitting right here. <laughs> I hear a voice. I am sitting right here. <laughs> <laughs> I was here the whole time. <laughs> so anything else about this episode? I uh... Uh, There's a great little scene where uh, we've got... Uh, Chief O'Brien down on the planet with uh, the guy who just tried to stab him with the scissors. Mm. The uh, the apprentice. And Chief O'Brien's like, oh, wait, you want to do this? I don't want to do this. Here, here, you do it. Mm-hmm. We're going to get you. And then he does this great, this great thing where he puts the robe on him, stands him up. Okay, we're going to, tonight you're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cole Meany does play the whole thing a little broad, but I think yeah. it's broad in a funny way. Like, uh, Actually, Kim, we could just play your quote here. Yeah. Once upon a time, there was a down rock. And it's there in the woods. And he hated the village and all of the villagers. And he wanted to see them destroyed. I think I think he plays up his his sort of ignorance and and being bad at it, you know, a little like he he dials it up a little just to make it funny, and I think it works. Well, I think like what like the character O'Brien when he gets down there and he gets this shit like he's just driving um, Doctor Bashir down to the planet and then taking him back home. Like he's not he doesn't he doesn't he's not there for a purpose. So when he gets down right. there and he gets brought into this mystic wizard bullshit he's kind of like uh mystic wizard bullshit oh no and then he gets stuck in the middle of it and so the he's kind of making fun of it the whole time right no that makes sense i just i like and there's a he does a lot of he has a lot of good acting bits in this i I have a note here that he had some great face acting yeah he does Mm -hmm. the way they shoot the, the the conversation between him and julian where he's like please call me julian is uh, Chief O'Brien's in the foreground yeah. and Bashir's behind him. So you, so 
Julian can't see the faces that he's making. But we can. He's, he's got some really great eye rolls and yep. stuff like that and just the really nice, subtle, like, uh okay, yes, sir. I mean, yes, Julian. Julian. <laughs> Jules. <laughs> and the only other note that I have here is that when uh, when Jake wears a brown jumpsuit, it looks like he's naked. <laughs> it's yeah, true. It does. <laughs> His puzzle maybe not suit. your color, buddy. Yeah, maybe don't wear a, a jumpsuit the same color as your actual skin. That's yep. like flesh-toned leggings. Right. That are a real Only... thing in real life right now. Yeah. Well, don't do that. Yep. Except that he wears uh, full-body flesh-colored leggings and runs around the sh the uh, the station. Right. <laughs> Being... I bet it's really comfy. Go Could on, be. sure. Except, how do you get out of it? We were trying to figure out where the, like, there's no, you know, there's no zipper, there's no butt flap, there's... No. Like, he's stuck it's in shaped like a puzzle. Yeah, I think he steps into the replicator and they, they sort of beam the clothes in around him. Yep. That would be so convenient! Yes, it would. I want that! Well, then go to the future. Screw <laughs> flying cars! Yeah. We have flying cars now. Yeah, they're called planes. <laughs> <laughs> my god it's true <laughs> anything else about this episode you guys um well uh, it's not no, really specific to this episode but <laughs> i there's like this tiny touch that just delights me forever and it's that o'brien pushes his shirt sleeves up yeah. and it's like it's unique to him nobody else does that and it's just so cute it's a nice little visual cue that he's the he's the working class yeah guy. No, I've, I've always really liked that about him. I've always really liked that about him. Yep. His shirt sleeves. Well, it's it's a it's a subtle costuming choice, but it tells you something about the character. Yeah. Which I, I enjoy. I appreciate it. Yes. All right. So that is all for this week. Uh, as as we mentioned earlier, we do have a Tumblr. It is postatomichorror.tumblr.com. Uh, website, postatomichorror.com. If you want to write to us, we have a supplemental episode coming up shortly. And uh, if you have any particular questions or comments or whatever, we'd love to hear from you. Post it on yes, the core at Gmail. And that is all. Kim, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Matt, no, no, thank thing. you very much. No, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank all of us. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.